Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social. It is me, Ross, as ever, and I'm joined by good old Mark Beck and good old John Watson as we bring you the season review of 2021-22 for town. The season that was ups and downs, 11th in League One. Paul Cook sacked, Kieran McKenna at the wheel and all that sort of stuff. Town fans packing out away days, packing Portman Road once again. The hope is there. We're going to have a look back at the season that was. Um, oh, dearie me. Mark, let's get right into it. How are you, my friend? And are you ready for a bumper podcast and look back at the season? Yeah, it'd be good to relive. So, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, if you want to be black and white about it, 11th is not where we expected to be and not where we want to be. But there's some good moments, some not so good moments, and some certainly memorable moments along the way. So it'll be... Good to rejog the old memory about some of them and trying to recall some of the the incidents. But no, I mean, I I had some fun times. I think that's what, what you got to sometimes with football. As much as we get wrapped up about we're going to finish at the end, you've got to remember the journey that you've been on and yeah, try and remember the good moments where it doesn't go quite as you expect it to. Definitely. And um, I want to give a big shout out to, of course, good old Bono, the, the man part of the KOA posse. Um, yeah. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday. And you're sort of repping what he would normally rep, uh, a very out yeah, of blue shirt and yeah, your beer as well. Yeah, I'm in a Fortuna Dusseldorf shirt, so German second division, which is very Bono. Um, and I'm currently indulging in some, I mean, it's up there for you to try and pronounce where this brewery is from. Some Scandinavian, what is it called? Hang on, it's called Solar Flare. It's a session IPA. Um, so yeah, Scandi beer that my niece got me for my birthday. Um, so yeah, here's to you, Bono. I'll do my best to to replicate you, if only in in image alone. Indeed, he'll be very pleased with that when he's watching or listening wherever he is. He'll be tapping his hat to you. Um, and the final man that is joining us this week is our award winner. Um, John, be thinking, what are you talking about, Ross? Um, Best commendation of the year award on the main pod. I gave it to you because um, that was a lovely, lovely evening. Um, I don't know which twin of yours, I, I, you know, their bed I was sleeping in because we kicked them out. And that was an unbelievable evening. Good old Deb, big shout out to her as well. But John, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, that was a, that was a good weekend. Um yeah, the girls made you a monster cake, I think, to welcome yeah. you to the house. Um, yeah, they spent their afternoon baking while we were at um, Aquington Stanley. Um, so, yeah, or was it Fleetwood? No, it was Aquington, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, thanks, mate. You know, when you just think back about the season, it, you start remembering all those little moments. And I guess, I, I think for me, the, the highlight is thinking, I actually enjoyed this season. Like, I think this time last year, Ross, we, we were talking about, you know, the, the players leave and the exodus, the demolition man, and thank God Cook had gone, and I'm um, sorry, thank God Lambert had gone, and how miserable Lambert football was. Do you know what I mean? And how many games, when we're all behind closed doors, watching, I follow, watching boring, boring games where we were, oh, Ross, there was at times we could have just played the same interview that we had yeah. week after week. Or it was another terrible game, and yet Lambert was going. You know, we played really, really good. We were really, really. But that, thankfully, at the end of this season, that feels forever ago. 
partly because this season's been entertaining and action-packed and uh, all those kind of things. Because, you know, let's not forget when the sun was shining back in August, we had a brand new spanking squad, a, a manager who we were all behind and the times were very positive, you know, and yet we've ended the season with a different manager, all feeling positive, but we're 11th again. So, yeah, a really up and down kind of a season, which we can get into and uh, talk about particular highlights and particular um, fond memories or silly moments or whatever. But overall, you know, I have enjoyed this season and I can't honestly say I can say that that's it. I've probably enjoyed this season more than I have the previous five. Let's put it that way. Definitely. Um, and we're going to get cracking then straight away. We've got a lot of games to get through. 46 league games. I think 55 games in total, of course, including cup games. Um, let's start then, Mark, with August. And the opening day against newly promoted Morecambe. Um, Porton Road was open again to fans. And um, it ended 2-2. McCauley Bonacor scoring a late equaliser. Cole Stockton... Showed what he can do in League One. Um, of course, he went on to score loads of goals for Morecambe in, in League One. Of course, Morecambe stayed up on the final day. Um, what's your memories from that day? Of course, Macaulay Bond scoring, you know, boyhood fan. 19 summer signings, a few players making their debut and drawing against Morecambe. I think it was exciting because we obviously we didn't really know what to expect from a fairly new squad. There was obviously a few familiar faces that were, were around at the time, but... No, it was just like John said, great to be back at Portman Road um, and with some optimism as well. Like I think if things hadn't quite gone as planned with the takeover and our former neglectful owner, who I try my hardest not to mention by name anymore, um, you know, it would have been a very different atmosphere if Paul Lambert was still in charge and the majority of that squad was still there. Um, it was a real excitement. Unfortunately, the, the, the result wasn't what we were expecting. And I think that's probably the, the theme for the, the month of August. It's probably what we weren't expecting. Um, but I'm going to coin the phrase that um, Hutchie kindly nicked off me and is yet to pay me for. Um, unacceptable, but un- understandable with all the new faces. Um, I mean, the one memory I, I, I do think of when we think of that Morgan game is Macaulay Bond's goal sending the aforementioned Bono into raptures and nearly stacking it onto the pitch, as you mentioned um, on the main pod. But no, um, yeah, I'm sure as you're going to, the real off the other fixtures, it was perhaps a sign of things to come that it wasn't going to run quite as smoothly as we were all at least hoping it would anyway. No, because um, on the Tuesday night, of course, it was League Cup action. Newport County are in town. And, uh, yeah, we lost out of the League Cup early doors once again. Same old Ipswich. Um, then there was two back-to-back away trips uh, to Burton and Cheltenham. Burton was a 2-1 defeat. Scott Fraser missing a penalty. Louis Barry started in that game. Louis yeah. Barry, remember him? Um, and yeah. then 2-1 defeat at Cheltenham. Um, yeah, the Bond miss. Ben Toes a long throw. Oh, what's your oh, memories from those, Mark? Um, I mean, for me, uh, the, the key thing I've I picked out from August, and it's all well and good looking at hindsight, I think we'd ended up playing six games before we'd actually properly assembled the squad and it was actually fit and ready. I mean, was it Morsi, Selena and Walton that were signed towards the end, whether they were always in our targets to come in or whether it was a result of what was going on earlier on in the season? Um, 
But no, um, I've put it down as um, this goes into September as well. Entertainingly sloppy. Um, you know, I was never I was never bored watching an Ipswich game, but bloody hell, it was frustrating at times. Um, teams you expect to beat and an opportunities to do that. I think again, as you mentioned on the main pod, would have been different had Macaulay Bond not missed that that glaring chance against Cheltenham. Would it have been different at Burton? I think we were 1-1 at that point. Um, had Scott Fraser, who's never missed a penalty for MK Dons, scored a penalty for us. Typical Ipswich. Um, and it could have been very much different. But, um, yeah, I, I think that phrase... I, I, I mean, I'm going to give myself credit here. It was unacceptable to lose to the teams that we did, but completely understandable with the amount of change that was going on and not really having the squad nailed down from day one as hard as that probably was as well I think Covid may have still had a little bit of an effect maybe I'm trying to be a little bit too kind to the club not getting all their ducks in order but it's always a little bit difficult when you're having such wholesale changes at a club to to really hit it hit it right from the off so um, no yeah entertainingly sloppy I think I'm going to keep coining that phrase throughout this I think as well I would as well, because the next two games um, were 2-2 two, two draws um, with first uh, uh, MK Dons and then AFC Wimbledon. Um, of course, MK you know MK Dons came twice from behind. Uh, Bond at the double, a fantastic um, opener from him as well. Then a, a two-goal lead against AFC Wimbledon. And of course, they went on to score a late equaliser. And we ended the month with no wins in five games um, in the league. Um, so, as you said, entertaining but sloppy because we were conceding goals, but also scoring goals. Yeah, almost. You know, I think that's what we were craving is the goals to come, and I think ultimately that entertainingly sloppy um, style was probably the end of Paul Cook in the end. Because as we'll go on to find out, I think the entertainment slowly dwindled away, but the sloppiness remained. And I think we probably had a little. He probably had a little bit of leeway at the start of the season with the amount of change that was going on that he could get away with that to start off with. And, I mean, we'll go on to it. It did pick up, but I think we'll find out where it all went wrong for Paul Cook a little bit later on. Um, I mean, you've got to pick out Macaulay Bond for that for the start of the season as well. I mean, in August, he, he really sort of surprised a lot of people. I don't think many people expected him to start, especially with Joe Piggott coming in off a stellar season at Wimbledon with 25 goals. Obviously, Norwood was still there at the start of the season. He he went into hiding for a little bit. Whether that was... We don't know who is to blame for that. I don't think we'll ever find out. Um, but no, um, him really stepping up, it, it was probably, again, something that bought Paul Cook a bit of time. You've got a local lad living all the dream, you know, living the dream of all the fans there to be leading the line, scoring goals, not getting quite as many wins as you're expecting. But you know, still scoring goals in front of the North Stand is exactly what you want from, you know, a hometown hero. Indeed. And um, John, I'm going to bring you in now. Um, we're going to go on to September, but August, um, we've got that famous gif of you, Dazza and Bainesy going, oh, dearie me, when Scott, oh no, I think when they scored their penalty, actually, it wasn't Scott Fraser's missed penalty. I think it was when they got their penalty to win, to make it 2-1. And we just thought, here we go again. Um, but anything in August you want to pick up before we move to September? Just briefly, Ross, to say fine margins, because yeah. if Scott Fraser's penalty had gone in, that would have changed that game. If Macaulay Bond had scored, all those, it just felt like 
things weren't quite going. And you go, oh, next game, the luck will go our way. But that, the fine margin, when it was in the balance, it just always went the opposite way to what us as Ipswich fans would wonder. Obviously, the opposition would be loving that. But they, we didn't get the, the rub of the green, so to speak. So fine margins. I agree with everything Mark said about, you know, I just that time to gel kind of that was that time to gel and time we're still assembling we weren't even gelling weren't we you know as you say it wasn't uh did Walton make his debut at the start of September in the Bolton game um so and we all know what a great player Walton is is and the signing you know I listened on the main pod people talking about most valuable player um or best signing you know Walton's up there in in those discussions isn't he so you know, he wasn't in, in the building uh, at that point. Morsi was very late, all those kind of things. So it was just, it sounds like we're making excuses, but when we look back, we should have got more points from those games the way we played those games against that, that opposition, if that makes sense. You know, if if you if a computer was to simulate those chances again and the team would expect to get a better return than we did, um, so it was frustrating, but I was still really hopeful. I was like still really upbeat about it, going, oh, it'll happen, it'll happen. And do you know what I think I learned is that actually maths in maths is probably more important in the league table than I've ever really known. Because I was thinking, oh, we'll be able to catch up, we'll be able to catch up. It's only August, but actually, you look back and the, the, the low points total really, really damaged us, didn't it? You know beyond what I actually thought at the time it was doing. So fine margins, because I just think we could have got more points from that. Like, I remember coming down to the MK Don's um, home game and the AFC Wimbledon game and think, walking out thinking, how did we not win those games? And at Burton, we should have got something out of that. So, yeah, it was, it was entertaining, as you said, Mark, but deeply frustrated as well, wasn't it? It was a, it was a yeah. funny August, August. And moving into September, you know, I wasn't at the the, the Ipswich Bolton game, um, which maybe that just proves I'm not the jinx actually for the season because most of the games everybody blames me. But um, you know, September probably showed the worst of us, but also mm. the beginning of what felt like things were changing. You know, the, the, the if I remember, the first game was the the um, Bolton defeats where we weren't very good. We were poor. And then, you know, I remember being at Lincoln away game, which is the first time we won that season and seeing what it meant to Mark Ashton. You know, I love that at the moment, at the time. I probably look back on it now and think maybe it was over the top, but I just understood his frustration and his release when he went running down that touchline at the end. And he was, he went, he was properly in the zone, but we all loved that win because we so desperately needed it. And you could see the pressure. It was like a, a volcano, like letting, letting go of all that pressure. So that, that for me, September, the grinding out, we played really well in the first half at Lincoln. And then the second half, we had to play quite strong and physical and grind out a proper... And it felt like, hang on, we've just shown a bit of... It wasn't shithousery, and it wasn't the dark side, but it was just a hard-earned victory you know um so i thought that was a really positive thing and then 
Again, I thought the Sheffield game was probably the game that we deserved to draw rather than to win. And then you suddenly got the 6 0 Tonkin of um, my current um, hometown, not where I'm from, but where I lived, of Donny. And um, and that was highly entertaining. And you think, hang on, yes, Donny hadn't started the season very well, but we still scored six goals at home. Maybe we've stopped conceding. We've ground out a 1 0 at Lincoln. And now we're starting to score without conceding. <gasps> Could this be the turning point? And that, that was September was. I guess summed up our season, inconsistent. You got the awful, awful defeat at home to Bolton. Then you got a, you end with a terrific victory um, at home to Doncaster. And then you managed to draw against the promotion rival of Chef Wed. You know, so yeah. a bit of everything in that month, to be honest, Ross. Consistently inconsistent, wasn't it, that Paul Cook said? Yeah. One of them managerisms. Consistently inconsistent, yeah. Uh, that is perfectly summed up, I think. As much as not everyone agreed with what he had to say over his time here, I think that's probably, that sums up it, which in a nutshell, probably for the last, oh, God knows how long, consistently inconsistent. Yeah. That's how we have been. Yeah, it, September was a very weird month because, yeah, we started with that 5-2 defeat at home to Bolton. You know, we took the lead in that game, by the way. Uh, and then we're, when we lost that game, we were 22nd oh. in the league. Yeah. Um, I think that flattered Bolton very much that game. I mean, Dapo Afalayan tore both Vincent Young and Danassian a new rear end in that game. Um, but I think the second half, I think they got three goals from about three shots. I mean, not saying that we deserved anything more in the game because we didn't. But like, it probably flattered them more than... It wasn't really a 5-2 game, but not saying that we needed to deserve to win either. But yeah, no, it... Oh, it Still scarred from that game. Yeah, and of course, Paul Cook coming out and said that, you know, because Morsey was in the building, but he wasn't, well, he's still suspended, weren't he? I know he made his debut in the Pat Johns Trophy. Of course, we lost against West Ham kids um, in the opening group stage game of that one. Um, yeah, as as John already said, Walton was making his debut. George Emerson was making his debut that day as well. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a weird month because, yeah, we ended it with a, a 6-0 win against Doncaster. Lee Evans scoring a hat-trick. What a night at Portland Road. Knee slides. Um, were you there, Mark? I think you probably was there because um, if you missed that, you would have been disappointed. Doncaster but, under lights. Yes, was there, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't believe that we won 6-0. I can't remember the last time that happened. And it's just, it seems from like a bygone era, really, that us scoring six goals at home, it's just, I mean, that, that that's where John said across the course of the season. I really have enjoyed it at times because... I remember, you know, going to away games and if you scored a goal or had a shot on target, that was probably an achievement under Mick McCarthy. And we had some good times under Lambert as well in, in League One, don't get me wrong, but like nothing as emphatic as this. And it's not, there's nothing better than being on the way home from somewhere. And it just makes the journey so much better knowing that you've absolutely tonked a team. Everything can go, nothing can go wrong, really. Even as the road closes, you don't really mind because... You've still got a the memory of an absolutely amazing day um, behind you, really. Yeah, and then um, October started with a trip to Aquiton and we lost. Um, same old, same old itch, which <laughs> yeah. that was an annoying day because um, we, once again, we took the lead. Um, the weather wasn't as bad as it was forecast. I remember you know, going in with John, good old Liam from crew, and we're like thinking, open terraced. This is going to be a wet day. Thankfully, it didn't rain as bad. But yeah, a 2-1 defeat. Um, Ackerton, well, they, they, 
rugby team, pretty much. It was uh, they shit out stuff, pretty much, in that game. What's your memories? Har- that, Mark? Harry Pell. Yeah, Harry Pell, isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave. I'll let John yeah. unload on that. <laughs> I gave him literally pelters. He he was doing he was doing my nutting. I mean, he was effective, but he was just for a big guy. He was throwing himself on the floor. He was protest. He got right underneath my skin, and I was giving him some. Oi, Pell! I mean, just remember. <laughs> oh, that game kind of that game probably sums up most of my experience of being an Ipswich supporter on the road, going to a team where you think, actually, if we play well, we could get something from this and ending up not getting anything because we didn't, and we didn't deserve it, to be fair. We were awful that day and and they weren't a good side either. But, oh God, that was a depressing day. I remember speaking to Paul Cook after that game, briefly outside. He was coming out uh, in his car um, and I got in my car and ran over the road. And I think he thought I was going to attack him at first. And uh, I, I, I unzipped my jacket and showed him my Ipswich shirt. So he wound his window down. And, and, and he was really, uh, we said, we all want you to do well, Paul. You know, it, it's going to turn. It's going to turn. It's going to be good. We're going to be all right. Everybody. And he was really upbeat about it. And uh, despite, he looked under a bit of strain, I've got to be honest. He sounded, that was when I first, and sadly, he'd just lost his dad, hadn't he, around that time, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's got had a lot going on in his own personal life. Um, I'm sure it was around that time. But um, just really, I really felt for him because I think most Ipswich fans, other than I think David Flisher, uh, um, will say that they wanted Paul Cook to do well. David would probably demand by the... The third day of August, that we should should have sacked him or something. But uh, uh, Dave knows I'm only joking, I'm sure. But um, I think most of us thought, out of all the managers who were out there last season, Cook was a really good appointment. He had pedigree in this league, experience. And actually, he came in and told us a few home truths that our team wasn't good enough. And actually, I, I respected that. I think maybe in retrospect, he went about some of that the wrong way. But that whole kind of getting behind him is because we want our club to do well. And he's, me and Mark were just saying, just before we started recording, Paul Cook's a really nice guy. You know, the kind of guy, if he was in a pub, you would probably want to go and have a pint with him, you know? So you want, we warm to the, the man. And I just, that was the point, I think, in, that, in October when you start looking and think, oh, Liam Richardson seems to be doing well at Wigan. Yeah. Oh, are we, are we missing Richardson? Do you think Cook can do it without? Those questions were the ones that were being asked at that point. because They grow Wigan, bigger, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had the kit man from, you know, Ian Craney, and the, his main coach was up the road at Wigan doing a what seemed to be a, a really promising start to his young career. And look where that got him at the end of the season as well. So just... Support Ipswich is a bumper, a roller coaster journey, isn't it? Because, you know, the Accrington game sums up life in League One, I think, and life as an Ipswich town fan at times. Definitely. Um, then after that, thankfully, we won a Pat John's trophy game. We beat, we beat Gilliam 2 0 at um, Breezefield. Um, then Bond scored his ninth goal of the season in the 2 1 win against Shrewsbury. What a start for him, a good win at home. Then Cambridge um, at the Abbey, big day out for them. Um, a two-goal lead we squandered, um, a late equaliser from them. Um, those two games, Mark, 
good win at home, but then Cambridge, uh, two 0 up. I've, I mean, I, I, if anyone knows the song, I don't know who it's by. Uh, it's like Popmaster around here, but one step forward and two steps back. That seemed what we did all season, and I think those opening months you see it. You know, there's signs Bruce there when you go. Bruce Springsteen. One there step you go. Then you think you're there, and you just think you're you're there, and then the next minute it's it's all taken away from you. I mean, um, Shrewsbury. I think we got a penalty in that. I think Wes Burns had a, a bit of a field day in that game, and Simon Simon Wally must love love us because he scored two absolute belters against us this season. Um, but um, yeah, and then oh, Cambridge away. I mean, big following from Ipswich as expected. Forty minute trek from the train station. Lovely job, thank you, Cambridge, for your hospitality, putting your football stadium absolutely in the middle of nowhere. Um, but no, I mean that's that was a frustrating day, and I mean we'll go on to the next game after that. I think that all had us worried, um, and we, we were like, oh, "Christ, what's what's going on here?" And then lo and behold, the next game we go and win four 0 at Portsmouth, which for me is still the highlight of of my season. Came completely out of the blue. Um, pardon the pun there if you're talking about Ipswich but um, you know it's just I've never known a game like it where you think I mean the first half was really even but then like you know you're 4-0 up Portsmouth fans are singing that chant with perfect timing that we've got the ball we've lost the ball you know I was in the away end at the back and some of the Pompey fans are throwing coins at you because they've left after 70 odd minutes and you just think, oh, you know, this is what it feels like to be a team at the top. And I think we had a taste of it and it was just always pulled away from us when we got hooked on it at times as well, which really, really hurt. And I think that hurt a lot of people. But no, I think that one step forward, two steps back is is quite appropriate for really how the whole season went. But definitely that start. And again, entertainingly sloppy again. I, I don't think any of the football we've, I don't think any of the football we played under Paul Cook for the, the most part was particularly bad. Going forward, defensively, it was an absolute nightmare. But um, no, you know, that, that continued throughout September and October, you know, entertaining games, games where you think we got through by the skin of our teeth or we absolutely trounced the team or we threw it away. That, that, that just, it was the theme of the season. And, it, you know, it, it's frustrating, but enjoyable in some ways as, as well being part of that ride definitely and uh, yeah Fleetwood a 2-1 win good old BJ was in the house Brett Johnson his first trip to Portman Road um, a late winner uh, what a way for his first game Selena scoring a late winner Fleetwood of course See, scored a late goal to equalise and then <laughs> Selena I, I think that's winner. an underrated shout for goal of the season that goal yeah. because one for my personal opinion I had two lads behind me who were moaning the whole game. They said, Lee Evans, all he does is pass sideways. Donassian is useless. And Selena's done nothing since he come on. Evans plays a pin-perfect ball onto the foot of Donassian. He hits it first time across the box and Selena smashes it home in the 90th minute. Oh, I mean, that was a beautiful goal. And I mean, Christ, I mean, it was Fleetwood after all who barely scraped staying up. But yeah. again, it's those moments. Like, I mean... We've had they're few and far between, but to win the last minute always feels good, no matter who it is against. Absolutely, that that last minute, I remember looking as the goal went in, jumping up. I was with Bono in the U two for that game, and I remember as the goal went in, 
looking up where Brett, we spotted Brett Johnson on the opposite side and just seeing his response and everybody around. And it was a proper moment, a football moment, wasn't it? You know, where yeah. you just, this really matters. And that feeling of, we it's gone our way right at the death. It was brilliant. It was a proper football moment. I really enjoyed that. That was a cracking, cracking um, atmosphere as well. I was really pleased for, for Brett Johnson because, yeah, let's be fair, every interview anybody's seen of Brett Johnson, he's come across as a really charismatic, optimistic, passionate, knowledgeable, good guy who we seem to be in really strong hands. And the fact that he couldn't get over because of COVID, they all couldn't be there together. And that was his first game to get that buzz that we all know you can get from football. He was loving it. And it was brilliant to see. It was lovely. That was possibly up there with my, um, you mentioned that the Portsmouth game and being a particular highlight mark. For me, that that was a magical moment. The game itself wasn't necessarily the most memorable game of the season, but that moment was one of my highlights for sure. Definitely. And um, we ended that month, of course, a long trip down to Devon, Plymouth, top of the league. Um, they sold out home park. Of course, it was poor Mariner day for them. Um, we had a bit of a mixed match team, you know, Hayden Colson, we had a few players come ill. I think Wes Burns and JD were ill. Um, we went we went in front, George Edmondson scored, but then we lost the game 2-1, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I think that was really where it was the start, maybe the end for Paul Cook, really. It was a team that were flying high at the start of the season. You thought, if we're ever going to be up there, it's a game we need to win. Oh, that second half scars me. Rakeem Harper... Just pass it, man, please. Oh, if we go back, just should have passed it to Bon, I think it was at the time. Yeah. It's just, oh, you know, um, I think that's where I think something that I said quite early on a lot in the, the, the game day videos that goals change games, and we let that goal in at half just before half time, and that really changed the tide of the game in that one. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think we'll go on to next month where again we've we had some painful defeats which 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 didn't help things but um no i'll give a shout out to stephen wallace who said he was going to offer to send my coat back that i left in plymouth when i stayed over that was really annoying but um no um i think yeah it, plymouth was probably the maybe the turning point but i think there's two defeats that came next month that really sort of sort of showed that Paul Cook was perhaps on the way out or question marks were seriously being asked at that point. Um, I mean, the only other point I've got about that sort of early part of the season is literally life and death. I think we had Lee Evans and Sonia Luco have children born at that point, but I think we had three fathers pass away at the same time, which is really unusual. I think we had Joe Piggott, Paul Cook, and I think did Sonia Luco's dad yeah, pass away as well. Probably. So we had three three. You know, I've never known it. That's just the Ipswich way, isn't it? I don't think players come here with the, the greatest of luck when they arrive. I don't know what it is, whether they smash a few mirrors in their medical or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But um, no, it's, it's really odd. And I, I mean, going back to Paul Cook and Joe Piggott over the course of the season, you don't know how much that does have an effect on the person. And I know going back to that game in September, it, I know there's probably not a lot of love for Paul Cook, but that moment at the end of Lincoln where he was talking about his dad, you know, I think that touched the heartstrings of literally everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, I think anyone who's ever lost anyone can sympathise with that. And 
you know, that was, that was a really special moment. And I think that probably spurred a lot of Ipswich fans on who still did believe in Paul Cook. Like, you kind of want it to all come good for him. But, you know, I think we'll find out where it probably all went wrong in a, in a, a matter of moments. Yeah. Um, well, we started, of course, November fantastically at, at Wickham. A 4-1 win, John. Um, unbelievable night. Um, of course, this is the last time we saw Hayden Colson as well. Macaulay Bond with his 11th goal of the season. He's, his last goal until, of course, the goal he scored against Gillingham, which was his final goal for the club. But um, <laughs> what a way to start November. And, and isn't that an absolutely typical representation of Ipswich and our season again? Because mm. you just have... Oh, we got to Plymouth, as Mark said, and we, you know, we, the game, cha- the goal changed the game. What could have been again? You think, oh, and then you go to Wickham, who we don't like. Let's be fair; not many people I know like Wickham as a football team or a football club. Um, certainly don't like the manager and, uh, and the dress sense, uh, uh, but he might not like mine, and that's fine. Um, um, but that Wickham game suddenly makes you think a bit like the Portsmouth game or a bit like the, the game against Doncaster. Hang on, maybe we're wrong to something here. May, and you kind of get your hope up a little bit and everything you talked about, Mark, about not false enthusiasm, but trying to be positive about everything. You think, oh, it's turning. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna do it this time. And then that was the highlight of November because the rest of November wasn't very pretty, I don't think, was it? We've got um the, the the Papa John's against the old boys um, against Colchester, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And then we had the the FA Cup games as well, Ross. Um, I didn't go to the FA Cup games, I've got to be honest. Um, but they weren't particularly impressive, I don't think. I didn't miss much. Um, and then, of course, we went up to Sunderland, didn't we? Um, and that was a typical game against Sunderland where actually I thought we played quite well um, and we should have got something from that game and I was so disappointed that we came away from that with the defeat I don't think they deserve that victory I don't think they deserved it the previous season either and my hometown club they, they so often Sunderland do us and we deserve something from that and you just felt that that moment uh, maybe this isn't going to work Maybe nothing's going to go our way. Um, that I remember lots of us went up to Sunderland for that game, and it was a really good weekend, and there was a good atmosphere in the away end. But oh, it was so frustrating. I, I, I was so down after I remember doing game day with you afterwards, Austin, because it's my hometown club, and I know people from the area still. And I was really flat, and I remember looking at about a week later and somebody left a, a message in, in the chat underneath on the, on the YouTube about uh, something about me being a miserable bastard or something like that about cheering up it's not the end of the world or something I was like oh, it means a lot to me it's like my mates were ripping me for months you know um, but yeah it just was that was a real kind of oh it's not going to happen like that was the first time I think I realised we weren't going to catch up because it was we didn't get points off the big boys other than you would say Wickham and Portsmouth who weren't actually right at the top. You know, the Rotherham game followed the Sunderland game, didn't it? I yeah. think I'm right. Yeah, yeah. as well. And 
let's be fair, if we deserve something from the Sunderland game, we deserve nothing from the Rotherham game. They schooled us that day. Um, so I'm not all rose-tinted here or blue-tinted. Yeah. I'm trying to be honest. I thought the Sunderland game, we were the better side and we certainly deserved something from it. But the Rotherham game, again, two defeats, two, two nil defeats against two of the bigger teams, um, the clubs above you, if you like. That was the writing on the wall, I think, unfortunately. It, it really felt like, oh, this is not going to happen. And then makes you then look back to August when we had those fine margins. You think, if only we'd got a bit of points on the board, you know. Lots of people then started being wise after the event, saying Cook should have gone months before. I was still saying, no, it's too early to get rid of him. We can. T-. I was still fully behind Paul Cook, despite the results then, despite those two disappointing results. I still, maybe that's the eternal optimist in, optimist in some of us, certainly in May, I want the manager to do well because I want our club to do well. I'm never wanting the manager not to get a victory because actually I wanted him to keep his job because I wanted him to do well. I wanted, and it just felt like, oh, it, I, I remember the end of November feeling very, very down, very down indeed. So November was a pretty crap month for Ipswich Town Football Club, if I'm being honest. Yeah, because yeah, the FA Cup. Um, Hoodoo continues, you know, we only just about scraped through against Oldham in the replay. Um, of course, Oldham, well, eventually got relegated to uh, to the National League. Of course, they're, of course, they're having a lot of problems off the pitch. I did feel sorry for them when I was speaking to an Oldham fan um, before the game. I was just like, you know, I feel sorry for you guys. You know, we, we've got it bad, but you've got it worse. Um, but then, yeah, December did get worse, Mark. Um, of course, it was the end for Paul Cook. Um, started with the getting knocked out of the Pat Jones Trophy. We're tuning up. Then got knocked out by Arsenal kids um, on penalties. Then on the Saturday, Barrow in the FA Cup, nil-nil. So, so bad. Um, and then, yeah, we got the massive surprise. He got sacked a few hours after that. Yeah. Um, I've, the notes I've got between November and December was less entertaining, but still sloppy. Like It was just, as John said about about these games in November, it, it, it was that Sunderland game? I don't think we played bad at all in that first half. We had multiple chances to to go ahead and didn't take them. And uh, lo and behold, our you know it, we were sloppy at the end, and it, it cost us that game. As John said, Rotherham schooled us, what they usually do. Um, and I think you know old habits die hard, and we thought it's the same old Ipswich. You know we've been there before, where. You know, we've had in previous seasons, we'd had a fast start and you'd come up against a big boy in November and it all, you know, fizzles out and it looked like it was happening again. I mean, I didn't go to any of the cup games because as much as it's a new dawn of Ipswich, you know what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't at that Barrow game. I, I Did I honestly expect Paul Cook to be sacked? No, I thought, like John, I still thought there were signs there where, where this could work and then you know, maybe not seeing those cup games has probably clouded my my view of it all, really. But I thought, you know, there's still there's still life in this, and it, it, it may turn around as yet. But I was I was sitting in the curry house catching up with some old friends, and yeah, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I think I I think I had to go to the toilet to com- compose myself, like because I just was shell shocked. I think it was you'd never know what to expect from your new ownership, and I think I know he wasn't you know, their manager when they 
they took over, he was hired by, um, no, I'm not going to say his name, by the neglectful previous owner, um, you know, they, to see him go after such a short spell in this season and him being the, you know, the, the man to be, to be demolition man. And, um, you know, you know, basically start this revolution that we hope is going to happen at Portman Road. It was a shock to see him go so early, but yeah, I mean, I mean, as December carried on, I, I think the thing that I always take out of December um, is that Charlton game that we had, which, I mean, if you haven't seen Bloomers rant from that, I think it was completely justified at the time because you felt it would be so Ipswich for us to get this new ownership and it to be the same old Ipswich where we just don't look like having any hope or ambition. I think the hope and ambition drained out of people and turned to frustration at the end of that night. I mean, less said about what happened at the end of the game there. I mean, I, I, I've never left a game early when I've been, you know, of sort of sound mind as an adult. But I thought even then for me, I, I left early because I thought the writing was on the wall. John McGrill coming in, I think, again, was probably a, a sign that he was going to be a placeholder before they found a manager, whether we... Some of us knew that or thought that ahead of time. I don't know. You know, we, we thought he was going to come in and help things. Maybe he was just going to be the stopgap until we got who we thought, who, you know, the new owners actually wanted as the manager. I mean, it, it's the lowest point of the season, isn't it? I think within, it wasn't quite a week, but we had the Charlton game and then you had the, the replay at Barrow uh, live on ITV. And you just thought, how can this be? You know, we've had all this change, and if anything, it, it's more embarrassing than it was before. Um, but you know, I think the owners acted well after that. You know, we we saw McKenna come in after that. I, I think maybe having that time off over Christmas sort of made it a little bit easier to bear what was going on. It might have been a little bit different if we had a, a flurry of games over that time. But um, man, McKenna comes in and we had pack out Portman Road and it probably came at the right time, really. You know, that Sunderland game, we played well in front of a new manager. Um, again, I wasn't at that one, but from watching from afar, um, you know, we, we did turn up for the new manager and, and you know, we were ho- hopeful that McKenna was going to be at the wheel and, and, and get us righted and back into some sort of playoff contention at least yeah definitely of course he got of course an opening game as manager with a win against Wickham so we finally beat you know we got we did a double over Wickham I know a lot of people will be happy about that um you guys definitely indeed um John um yeah December Mark's already covered a lot of it but um I think we did get to lowest point in our club's history you know losing against Barrow who struggled in league two this season as well um, losing in a replay on TV. I know, remember, you know, Terry Butcher's, you know, he, he's rant on TV, his big speech. But yeah, December was a, a very low point, Cook getting sacked. But then McKenna coming in and we ended the year on a high and hopeful for next year, for 2022. Yeah, um, December was a hard month. I actually had, we talked about loss earlier on, I lost my mum in December. So I remember my, my December was... Um, really challenging on a personal level and uh I, I decided i would still go down to watch the sunderland game i had tickets and, I, and the wickham game and i thought actually i'm still gonna go and i remember being quite emotional about that but 
I really enjoyed the therapy of being with fans, being with friends, being in the crowd. And that's, you know, in dark times, you find positives. And um, without it be, making it about me, I think there was positives to take from the dark times Ipswich were having. Uh, McKenna came in and I remember he was in the, in, um, against Sunderland, he was in the box, wasn't he? With um, And we gave a really good account of ourselves that, that, that day, um, could have done better. And then obviously we got that, the win against Wickham. So he got off to a really good start. Which we desperately needed, didn't we? Like if if he had if the team had lost confidence totally and we didn't get a little bit of luck or a little bit of anything going our way, the season could have been a hell of a lot worse. So despite the the sadness of you know the, 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 just that barrel game, watching our team on you know the TV curse continues, doesn't it? But. I had friends around the country saying, "Oh, I see your your tin pot clubber on on telly tonight," and oh, oh, we didn't realise that they're going to get beaten by bloody Barrow, though. And it's like, oh, the only time you ever comment is when we're on telly. They don't matter, and but that's what they see, you know. Um, just it's quite depressing and sad, isn't it? But McKenna is was a new breed of manager for us, I suppose. Um, Certainly different from Cook, different from Lambert. Um, he hadn't played in Germany. <laughs> he hadn't, uh, um, you know. Uh, um, you know. I'm going to say he was more, Paul Cook, he's more Waterstones than Weatherspoons, which is what I'd say with uh, the difference between them. More of a scholar a good, of the yeah. game rather than a, a lad. Yeah, he certainly learned this craft, hasn't he? He's, he hasn't just got a job based upon being a player who's just finished his career. Obviously, it was, as we all know, his career was ended by injury and he's was what he's coached for 13, 14 years before getting his, uh, his chance at Ipswich. I've got to say, we spoke, Ross, after his interview. Um, his, I was a little bit like, oh, he seems a bit boring. He seems a bit dull. Um, but actually, he's grown and grown and grown on it. And he might not have the the kind of lad going to the pub mentality of the Weatherspoons analogy, but he certainly is informative and he treats us with respect, which I think I, I was a big fan of Paul Cook, but he sometimes did talk down to us a little bit, like underplayed our intelligence about team selection or tactics. Whereas McKenna actually explains things really thoroughly. And uh, he, he speaks really highly about the opposition without just going, Oh, we've got to respect them. He actually says, they're really dangerous down the wings or what they do is press you really hard. And we, you know, he, he explains simple tactics very clearly. And he, he obviously understands and thinks a lot about the game. He's a proper football scholar. Um, it was just a, a real crossroads. I think we all want our manager to do well. And he comes in, you know, like we did with... Um, Burley or you know Robson give a young younger manager a chance who is unproven, but that's a risky strategy, isn't it? You know, it's easier to go for a Mick McCarthy or a Lambert or a, a Cook because they've got the history and the track record. So you've got to salute the ownership for being brave and having a, a plan because it does feel like they've got a plan, um, and that's the most positive thing. And you've got to say that. McKenna came in at a time 
when we needed to try something different. And let's be clear, Paul Cook assembled the majority of the squad, but McKenna got more out of that squad for me than Cook ever did. And that's the biggest difference. We've got to be thankful to Cook for bringing in people like Sammy Morsey, who for me is light years above League One. We've got to be thankful because Sammy Morsey may not have come to Ipswich for anybody other than Paul Cook. That connection has to be a major part of that deal. Walton came to Ipswich partly because of Paul Cook. I'm sure Ashton did a really good job and I'm sure, you know, the finances had to be right and all that kind of stuff. But Cook did attract some of those players who joined our club. You know, I don't know whether Ashton was behind Burns signing or whether uh, it was um, Cook. But again, Cook brought him to the club. So a lot of the players who we do like and who have done really well for us, Cook brought in. So let's not write off all of Paul Cook's efforts, but my God, McKenna got more out of them. He's a better coach, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, January proved that. Um, of course, there was still two defeats against two teams who are going to hope to get a statement wins on. Um you know, 4 0 win on the start of the year um, against Gillingham, then a, a 2 0 defeat at Bolton, then a 2 1 win against Accrington. Um, three points, job done, beating them, thankfully. Of course, the Morsi aftermath with the, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, then a 2 0 win against Elsa Wimbledon at Plough Lane, good result in London, Burns night, baby. Um, and then, of course, the Sheffield Wednesday frustrating afternoon at Hillsborough. Um, yeah, Mark, let's quickly just go through January quickly. I mean, I think you've covered it there. A few blips, yeah. but encouraging signs. Um, and then I think a really good bit of business that the club did. And I think they had potentially a 50-50 option to do here. We had two players on loan that we both, you know, uh, one more so than others, I think people wanted to sign. And I think we could have easily plumped a lot of money in for Macaulay Bond, who had scored a lot of goals at that time, had shown that he was a good player, um, but had the goals had dried up a little bit, or we could have signed Christian Walton. And I think signing Christian Walton is probably, for me, along with George Edmondson, is probably my signings of the season, going like yourselves doing the awards on the main pod. Them two, if we can keep hold of them for two or three years, you know, you, you've got a starting centre-back there, and a starting goalkeeper who are exceptionally good for the level that we are currently. And I think we'll take to like a duck to water when they go up because they've already played there. Um, but yeah, you know, that there was the straight signs there. You could see that McKenna was still cutting his teeth. I mean, that 4-0 at Gillingham was a great day, apart from the Dartford Tunnel getting closed, which was awful, uh, trying to get back in that. Um, I do feel sorry for my mate Tom, who... He's done a lot of away games this year, but you know more than myself. I think um, he lives up in Halifax, so towards towards John um, works down here during the week, and um, you know he thought it'd be a, he'd stay down here and be able to get back in good time, but he got massively delayed because of that accident. Um, the Bolton game, two fairly decent sides wanting to play good football, we just sort of. Gave it to him on a plate, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think that was one of Fridge's very few errors that we he had during the season. Um, and then the Sheffield Wednesday game, which has come full circle because one of our, you know, we, we didn't do much January business. We brought in Tarek Backinson on loan and let Scott Fraser go out, who 
I feel a little bit sorry for Scott Fraser because he's, a, I think he's a very cultured footballer. Maybe just wasn't quite the right fit and he didn't get to show enough from Cook, you know, playing in the wrong position and then injuries, you know, it just didn't quite work out for him. Backinson at Sheffield Wednesday has to be one of the worst performances I've seen from a professional footballer. And at the end where we're 1-0 down, was it 1-0? We lost or 2-0 in the end? I can't remember now. 1-0. So, you know, I don't think we we're really in the game at all. But we're chasing the game and he's gone down with cramp and he's lying on the pitch and, you know, we're trying to get something to happen. You just think, just get off the bloody pitch. And oh, it just, you just thought, what have we got here? Um, but I think, uh, as we'll go go on, I think he really grew and I think he's come full circle, really. And I think if we've got an option there, which we do have, I, I think we would be, you know, silly not to consider it at the very least. Um, but no, it, it was encouraging signs at least, I think. And, uh, you know, the next month would be even better. Um, I've got written down for February as well as January. I've got a little thing, eight points, five points, eight points, five points. Because yeah. the amount of time we spent between either eight points or five points of the playoffs, constantly being there. And then going back to what I said earlier, one step forward and two steps back, we'd either win and everyone else would win and we'd lose and everyone else would win. Like you just couldn't ever get close enough. And I think lo and behold, you know, that that, that start really was, was the issue there. But I mean, I'm, I'm glad John's on the same boat here. It probably doesn't make for as interesting viewing that we're not having a little bit of a sparring match about it. But I think we were just all hopeful and hoping that it was going to turn around. But I think when you break it down, that probably is what really cost us. And, you know, you, you, you're running out of time. You, you, you can't buy time when you've put yourself on the back foot. And, yeah. Um, but, no, you know, we, we move into February. And I, I think... We were all starting to believe again, at least. Anyway, yeah. Do not, do not worry, listeners. Though we are going to spar a match on the strike later on in the podcast. It will be Mark versus John head to head. So do not worry. Um, but yeah, John, uh, February goes like this: um, a one 0 win at home to Gillingham. Um, lucky three points, really. Um, then we went to Doncaster, your hometown. Currently, uh, the John Watson Derby, job done in Yorkshire. Then a goalless draw against MK Don. Seven thousand fans at Stadium MK. 3-0 against Burton, quick starts, loads of goals. Kane Jackson back from the death. Um, then Cheltenham 0-0, dearie, dearie me. How didn't we win that one, part one? And then Morecambe 1-1, how didn't we win that, part two? February was a frustrating month, but some good wins as well. Yeah, that up and down, you know, the win that things, oh, oh, maybe maybe we could just, maybe we could just, oh, we're just drawing when we should have won. You know, I, I remember being at that, uh, the Morecambe game, Ross, I was with Darren and we spoke after the game and we battered them. I mean, chances, half chances and full chances. If it had been a 4-1, you would have gone, yeah, I'll settle for that. If it had been a 2-0, you would have settled. There is no way on heaven's earth that we should have drawn that game. Like, it must have been 10 decent chances to every one of theirs. Just unbelievable. I remember thinking that is the first time under McKenna I thought season's over but credit to the team and credit to McKenna 
And I, I'm sure most of it's just to try to prove you wrong, Ross, when Sammy Morsey said it's not not over when you claimed it in December, whatever it was. Um, they kept fighting and kept giving giving us an opportunity to say, is it still alive? Is it still a dream? Is it still possible? You know, and that that went on for longer. But I remember saying at the end of that uh, February, end of Morecambe game, uh, we can't we can't not win games like this and expect to do well. But you look at that, you know, thank God we beat Gilliam because I hate Gilliam. Gilliam and Wickham are my two disliked teams in League One. Um, um, I know other people don't like um, the plastic dons and all that kind of stuff. But can we just say that 7,000 fans to an away game in League One, that that's uncanny. That's bonkers, isn't it? Um, and we've got to touch on the fact that the away support, obviously I go to more away games as, than I do the home games generally, but the away fans at Chef Wed before the game, it was electric in the, in Hillsborough and decent turnout everywhere we've been this season. The fans have been tremendous. We have been excellent in good voice and good spirits. Um, you know, Backinson took his goal at Doncaster, didn't he? Um, to get the 1-0. So there was lots of positives in, in, in February, but equally those frustrations where I, I guess for me, this is the clinical bit. You know, February was the start of us not being clinical enough. That just dragged on. Earlier in the season, we had Bond scoring the goals. And obviously, people like Burns contributed massively. Morsey a little bit later. Um, Chappers throughout the season did decently. But when your strikers aren't scoring continually, was it December or, or was it January? Norwood had a little purple spell in December, yeah. I think. November, December, yeah. The second half of the season in 2022, none of our strikers have had a purple patch other than Jackson for that tiny bit that he was injured. You know, so that's probably where we fell short. And um, I think you, you tweeted something out earlier on today, Mark, didn't you, about the XG and goals scored and, and all that yeah. kind of thing? And I think that yeah. you can come in on that because that's that sums up, I think, that that exact situation. Yeah, um, I think we were fourth for XG from open play, but we only scored 11 goals. And I think... I'll give him a shout out. He helped me a lot when I was doing my podcast back in the day. ITFC Analytics did say a lot of that was down to our failings from set pieces, which again, as a both defending at the start of the season and scoring throughout the season was a, a big issue. But um, yeah, I, I think that's quite possibly our, our biggest fail. And I think the last time I was on the fan social, I said, I think Ross asked, is it over? And I said, yes, because we haven't got a striker that can put the ball in the net. And, you know, Kane Jackson coming in from the cold was a real surprise. Like, I think a lot of respect his race to be run, a bit like John Nolan, who, I mean, he's at Bristol Rovers now, but I, I, I'd question if he actually is because I don't think he's played at all for him. Um, and, yeah, you know, Kane Jackson potentially has played himself into a new contract. I mean, we've had the the released and retained list come out today. Um fairly cut and dry. I think a lot of us knew what was going to happen there, but there's still a lot of mystery around Ken Jackson. I think he's probably a good option. He's definitely not the only option. We need to strengthen there massively. Um, and yeah, I think those games where it is fine margins, you do need that top class striker. And 
you know, we've let Norwood go, which I think is a big signal of intent that we are going for someone better. Norwood, you know, will probably be remembered for his off-field issues more than what he did on the pitch, but he wasn't a bad striker in any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, he, he did do well. He was good, but not great. And we need great to get out of this division, I think, which is the issue. Um, you know, going back to some of the February games, that, that Morecambe game, I'm scarred by my journey home because I was with the, the Blue Action coach and we had a tyre blowout just outside of Manchester. You know, after you've, you've all had a, a jolly old time um, and then you get a tyre blowout on the way home when you drew with Morecambe. It's not really how you want to be spending your Saturday evening. But um, but no, yeah, it was, it was encouraging. I think the belief was coming back. But again, it's just... For every you know good moment, a, a, a disappointment would follow, and I think that would still carry all the way through to the, towards the end of the season until we got to the moment where the promotion push, however fleeting or improbable it was, it did eventually you know die. Unfortunately, yeah, I think um, the first two games of March there was sort of like going. So you're telling me there's a chance? Um, of course, you know two back to back two nil wins. Uh, first away at Fleetwood, then a, a two nil. Twenty five thousand people were there on a Tuesday night um, against Lincoln. Uh, Jackson scoring again. Then Portsmouth a nil nil draw. Injuries came out. Um, of course, some bad injuries. You know, Morsey, um, Jackson. Of course, that was his season done. Um, another. How didn't we win that one as well? Um, so yeah, March was sort of like, could we, could we, uh, no, we can't. Yeah. It's just the way we get. Yeah. It's, you summed it up perfectly there. Like, um, what I've got at the top of my notes, still in the hunt, just, and then obviously you had the Jackson injury hit and what I've all talked about the goals, where were they coming from? You know, it, they were fleeting at times, you know, Morsi had to, Morsi's not a goal scorer, but he's had to step up and actually, you know, come up with a few to get us wins or points. Um, Chaplin, as he mentioned, I think he could probably feel a little bit hard done by because I think he probably should have had more minutes and maybe played a bigger role in our season because I think he is a very good footballer. Definitely a good, probably the best finisher we have that remains at the club, at least. And he probably was during the whole season, if I'm honest. Um, and I think, you know, we got to the point where Oxford away was crunch time and we thought it was on. You know, I, I think I wasn't there, unfortunately. I I, I couldn't make that one. Um, wasn't feeling too well. And yeah, the sucker punch came at the end of that one. And, and that probably was put us on life support and then Cambridge come along. And yeah, that was the knockout blow. And, and it looks like, yeah, that was, resigned us to yet another season in, in League One, unfortunately. And it was a shame. It was nice to have that little flurry towards the end where, there, like you said, there is still a chance that it could have happened. But I think leaving yourself too much to do, and to be fair, the division this year has been quite divided. It is very much a top, probably top nine, and, and a very much a bottom sort of six at least who have been absolutely abysmal at times and really allowed people to sort of stat pad and you know get a few extra goals and big wins which have really helped them out and sort of gained confidence and regained form at times but yeah um 
it's kind of got to the point where it's just like this is a bit I don't want to talk about really, Ross, because yeah. it was all like there's a lot of hopeful and optimism, and then it got to the point where you're just playing games for the sake of it. At the end, I mean, Saturday was a I, I called it an exhibition game. I know it didn't feature on game day, but I said to everyone it was like an exhibition game. It's everything you wanted to see from Ipswich time a team with no consequences, basically. Like, you know, we saw a clean sheet, four goals, what we can do against a semi-decent team, how much they cared, I don't know. And, and, and yeah, so it's a shame. But, yeah, I've probably skipped over quite a bit there, but it's just, I think it got to that point where it's just like, it slowly got away from us. And I don't think, you know, we're fighting against time, which you can't buy any more of. And, yeah, it, we ultimately are a League One club yet again for the next season. Yeah, I think that's yeah. sort of the perfect way, John, for you to just jump in. I don't think we need to wrap up all the other games. I think we should just sort of say, you know, the Oxford game was the day, you know, the dream died, you know, the late equaliser, and then pretty much we were just playing and hoping other teams were going to drop points. They didn't. Um, we got a nice win against Plymouth, which was nice. You know, we got a, a good draw against Wigan, and then, yeah, the final day of the game against Charlton was, was lovely, but the season was done and four, you know, four season in League One pending. But, John, sort of wrap up season as a whole there? Yeah, I guess for me, the two games I'm going to pull out from April that I went to two games in a row, um, the Rotherham away game, then the Wigan home game, which should have been a lovely bank holiday uh, uh, weekend. You know, we know what happened there, so we got moved to the, the Saturday and the Tuesday, but I, um, I, I got to both of those. And, you know, against Rotherham, again, you know, fine margins, back to that from the beginning of the season. If we had a Michael Smith, I'm not particularly saying that that player, but somebody who's going to, did he get 24, 25 for them? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, if you think, what, Bond got 13 league goals, 11 league goals. Uh, 12. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So Smith got double that, and that was ultimately the difference, you know, um, and Rotherham, terrible run of form, fans not particularly great for them, they were waiting for things to happen, we absolutely were loud in the first, and then we let them get that goal, you know, back debut, which was a positive, you know, and then, so we got beaten by the team who have, you know, have gone up. And then we play Wigan, champions elect, and we put on a really good performance. And really, I think we could have won that game. I was so frustrated. Like, we were well team. Um, so it proves that we can mix it around. But actually, despite what Mark was saying, and I do agree with like the league was in chunks, wasn't it? And we were never fully in that top top six, really, were we? Or the top we were always just outside it. Um well, long way outside to start off with, um, but we didn't take the points against some of the lower clubs like like the other big teams did. You know, you look back at how many points do we get off Cheltenham? How many points do we get off Morecambe? How many points do we get off? You know, you can list those teams, and it's like if we had just got that goal, that bond goal against Cheltenham early on, it's yeah, and it's all ifs and buts. Over the season, you make your own luck, and you get what you deserve over the season. And ultimately, we haven't been good enough. And um, it's been entertaining. 
It's been optimistic. It's been eventful. But it's been disappointing because I still think we were, were bound to finish seventh at one point. And hang on, we haven't even finished seventh. You know, that's not particularly great either. It wasn't that we just missed out on the last day on goal difference or something. We actually weren't in a, weren't really in it, were we? So disappointing overall, Ross. Um, the last couple of months, hard. You know, you want to get to the end of the season. We all looked at the fixtures. Do you remember at the beginning of the season when we looked at Rotherham and Wigan? Bank holiday weekend. It could be between the three of us. Which one gets the champions? Which one gets second? And which one gets in the playoffs? Nah. You know, we we had a part to play, trying to help, like, stop one of them from winning, you know, but we weren't going to get anything from that. And that's, that's disappointing, isn't it? Because actually, Rotherham, Rotherham are a yo-yo club, aren't they? They're the League One Championship, League One Championship, and they've got the savviness and know-how, organisation, fitness to get out of this league. But actually, you know, we... They had, what, 9,000 fans, 10,000 fans at home when they were about to go up. And we're taking 7,000 fans to Milton Keynes and we're having 25,000 at home, 28,000 at home. You know, come on, finishing 11th with that kind of fan base and that kind of support and now that kind of backroom set up and um, 11th is not good enough. That's where it has to change next season for me. And I'll get behind and I'll be optimistic and I'm full of support. And But we cannot be having another season finishing out of the playoffs. Out of the playoffs. Finishing in the playoffs would be disappointing, realistically. Mm-hmm. You want to be automatic. However, if you finish fourth and have had a really good season and you get in the playoffs, you go, whilst it's disappointing, it's been, it, I can cope with that. To not even be in the shout with the playoffs would be a failure next year, wouldn't it? Because it has to be a failure. So Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I just think when we came down, we were all a little bit like, oh, we're going to League One tour. Actually, let's be fair, we've had enough of League One. We had enough of it two years ago, let alone like having looking forward to a full season of it. You know, Come on, we need to do it next season. Yes, yes, mate. Yes, mate. Hopefully, the next time we, this time next year, we'll be talking about getting the playoffs and all that stuff, or top two and all that. But we shall see. Um, okay, then that was a lot of chat about the season that was. I think it's time for some silly stuff before we do wrap up the podcast. Getting my lovely feature as always, too. One word to describe the season as a whole, but time for the strike. It's Mark, it's versus John. The pens and paper are out. Of course, play at home. They are five questions at a tiebreaker if needed. As you know, we'll, we'll still probably use the tiebreaker because why not? Because um, of you, you know, it's there. We, we'll use it. Um, okay then. Let me get. I'm done any revision this time. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we know we know your games. And who can you revise? We haven't got an opposition, have we? Yeah, that, that's what I what usually does... do if I'm in. I do the opposition. It's going to yeah. be I did quite well last time. It's going to be on playoffs, and I haven't even thought about that. I'm doing my thinking out loud right now. Uh, the questions are on uh, my old boy, Gwen Edwards. All questions on him. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no one cares about Gwen Edwards anymore. Um, but the first question is on Wes Burns, though. And, um, of course, top goal scorer this season, won all the awards. But who set up Wes Burns for his first goal against AFC Wimbledon? Was it Coulson? Hayden Coulson, remember him? 
KVY or Carl Edwards. So, of course, the 2-2 draw against AFC Wimbledon, his first goal for the club. Um, yeah, I can't remember the goal, to be honest. So, you have to try to think and remember. But was it Hayden Colson, KVY or Kyle Edwards? Um, yeah, Hayden Colson. What could have been for him? And then Kyle Edwards as well. And then KVY. Of course, Platt home. So, when you're ready, boys, show me your answer. Who's going to take the lead? John I'll Watson has gone for... Hayden Colson. I've gone for my future son-in-law, hopefully. I know he's older than me, but Kane Vincent Young, lovely boy. Well, correct answer is KVY. So Mark has taken lead, but do not worry, John. Still many more questions to get back into. I'm trying to think of the goal. I can't honestly cannot remember it. I I was there. I don't remember it at all. No. I just thought he's down. To, I know Edwards didn't get an assist all season, did he? So I knew it wasn't him. That's a trick, trick one. Now I just thought I'd chuck him in there just in case you, if you remember that little stat. Uh, they all played in that game though, so it wasn't that much a trick question. Um, question two is: Are of course the best signing of the summer? Um, of course, Wes Burns has been up there as well. But Christian Walton, how many clean sheets did he keep in 40, uh, 40? 34 league games? Um, so yeah, thirty-four league games. How many clean shoots did he keep? What a signing. What a man as well. Very nice bloke, Christian Welton. Very tall. Okay. Mm, can you see that? 16. Six, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I've gone for 11. 11. So as always, um, you get two points if you get it bang on. Closest to the correct answer, you get a point. And the correct answer is 14. So Mark... Ooh. I, was I thought, no, I'm over, over egging it. Take some off, John. I know. I know. I think we had. I don't know how many we had in total. I know Ladkey got two, didn't he? I know he got one yeah. against Lincoln, didn't he? And he got yeah. another one somewhere. Wink, uh, Wickham when um, when yeah. I had COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he we would have maybe got sixteen in total, Walton, um, because of the cup games. Um, because of yeah. The, no, yeah. No. No. He would have just got it against Barrow, wouldn't he? Yeah, we just got one against Barrow, so fifteen in total, but. 14 in the league, but it is 2 0 to Mark. But John, do not worry, got another question, another question, another question. Um, now, question three is on Macaulay Bond's final goal for the club. Who set him up for his goal against Gillingham? Was it Penny, Luco, or Lee Evans? Was it Penny, Luco, or Evans? His final goal in that 4 0 win. Um, Mark straight on the bat with Penny. What is John thinking? I've gone for it. Lee Evans. Um, sorry, John. It's Penny. <laughs> it's it's 3-0 work. Um, but don't worry. There's two questions here where if you get it bang on, you get two points. So hopefully you can get it bang on. Um, but we shall see. Um, question four is how many goals did Town score in 55 games this season? So this is league and cup games. I, I thought if I do league games, I know Mark will get it right. So um, I thought... Um, I'll, I'll switch up mm. for cup games as well. So, how many? Goals? Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Hang on, I, thought, I saw you put a tweet out for the XG thing, so I thought, yeah. But, Johnny Boy, what do you reckon? Oh, I've got no idea. It's not as many as you really think in terms of like 55 games in total. You, you think we'll get more than that, but yeah, as you know, we um, had a few moments where we couldn't score goals because you, you spoke about in the review, none of our strikers <laughs> scored for a while. Well, we did have those six and the fours as well, so that balances yeah. out. 
I'm I'm going for a good old number sixty nine. Seventy-six. Seventy-six. Okay. Overall, John has lost, um, but you can still play. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, the correct answer is seventy-five. Oh, so much, very close there. Do we have a disallow goal at any point? <laughs> yeah, possibly. All crosses. If it's played correct, I've got. A, I'm in with a chance, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Do not worry, John. There is another question. We'll use it anyway, and then we'll um we'll, we'll do a tiebreaker as well. And if Mark wants to gamble, he can. Um, but John, of course, has to get it bang on. So do not worry, Mark. I'll gamble. I'll I'll give yeah. John shots. Let's make it okay. exciting. Yes. Um. So yeah. Don't gamble, five. kids. Don't gamble, no, children. Don't do that. Do not do that. Um. But yeah. Question five is on JD. He played the most games this season with Town, but how many games did he play in? Um. Most minutes, most games, um, most consistent player, surprise player as well. Um, finally, getting an opportunity to actually show what he's all about. How many games did he play in total for town? Of course, this is all competitions, so it's league games, cup games, and all that as well. Um, and if John gets a bang on, we'll then go to the tiebreaker to then play for it all. Um, but we'll still use a tiebreaker anyway because I, I, you know, I did my research for it. Although it was easy research, that question very easy. Just quick little Google search, boom, found it. There we go. Okay, forty-three. John's oh, I've, I've, I've prices right at him. I've gone forty-two. Forty-two. Um, Sally, neither of you got it bang on, but John has won a point because it's forty-eight games. Forty-eight Ooh, games. Played. He played forty-three in the league, and then of course played the cup games as well. Yep, that's Sorry. what I meant, Ross. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> just change it to got... an eight. Just just draw yeah. on two, two, two extra lines. Yeah, we saw that. We saw that. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna do the tiebreaker anyway. And right. um, if you do get it bang on, then if Mark's happy, then John can win it. But overall, yeah. Mark, you have won because you well well done, sir. A good good, good round from you, John. Good effort. Good effort as always. No, I feel like Gillingham, to be fair, or Wickham. I feel like a whipping boy. Yeah. Uh, Mark's prowess. He's been clinical. He's been entertaining and clinical, whereas I've just been sloppy and casual and really disappointed. It's fine, mate. It's fine. It's fine. It's been town town season. There's always next season, John. There's always next season. Always next season. I'm going to bring the youngsters out now. (laughs) Yeah, the youngsters definitely will come out now. Um, Now, a tiebreaker is... How many points did Town win in the league this season? How many points? So, 11th in League One. How many points in total? And, of course, finishing sixth, you had to get a lot of points. Um, and as we record, the playoff semi-final was getting played and uh, Wickham are winning 1-0. Um, but by the time you listen to this, you will know who's won that game. But I thought I'd bring that in. A bit of a liveness. We're live. Um, but, of course, when you're listening, you know, that game's done um, and over. Have I told you I hate I hate Wickham? <laughs> uh, just Ryan just Taff, Ryan Taffazoli had the header for that. Yeah, there we go. Right, what's, what's John gone for? I can't see the paper, John. Oh, 70. <laughs> 70. Oh, I've gone seventy-one. Wherever it is, has he done it? He's done it. It's bang no! on. <laughs> <laughs> It's so many oh, points. I was like Man City last night. I had it all in my, all oh, in, yeah. in my hands. I threw <laughs> extra, it away. Extra time was looming. Yeah. 
well, well, oh, well, that was um, one hell of an ending. Um, and wow, John, speech, my friend. Uh, Mark, sad to say, but John, fair, fair play. Just shows you should always gamble, kids. <laughs> 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 I've got to say a little bit of luck there my, my other guesses were rubbish throughout so I, I knew it was roughly around that point but it, yeah it was 67 to 73 in my head I, I, honestly, I was going 70 but I thought no we never, it wouldn't be a whole number we finish on yeah. it must be like you know like, got one in nine chance haven't you really it's when you, you spend half a season or well, more than half a season so much of the season looking at the table working out yeah. what points and as soon as it means nothing, you let that useless information go. And it was like yeah. plucking a number there. You know, yeah. two weeks ago, I could have probably told you every eventuality where we could have finished. Yeah. And, you know, bonkers. Yeah. Fair play to you, Mark. You absolutely taunt me real- realistically, though. So a bit of fluke. bit of a fluke for me. That's, all, that's what football's all about. That little fluky ending that, you know, at... You, that's like Roy the Rovers stuff that was from you, John. I like it. Definitely, definitely. But um, well, what a way to end the podcast. But of course, we are going to end it with my normal feature. One word to describe the season as a whole. Then, Mark. Of course, you can expand. Don't just say a word and then pause and then. Oh, you want me to say more, Ross? Expand as always. So yeah, no how would you describe the season in one word, my friend? Um. I'm going on the, the side of optimism because I am a hopeless optimist. And the word that I I was trying to think of a word all day to, to summarise it. Uh, it was very difficult to do it in one word. I really like that John's used roller coaster already because it sounds great in a you know a Geordie accent. It's one of the words like there you go. See roller coaster. There we go. That's the, I'm just glad he said it twice. He said it three times now, so I'm happy. I've got my money's worth. Um, I'm going to go for, the word I'm going to go for is foundations. Now, um, okay, like I said at the start of the podcast, looking at it in black and white terms, 11th is nowhere near good enough and not what we're expecting at the start of the season. But I think we have a really good core of players to pull from going into next season. There's not going to be a lot of change, I don't think, and I don't think we really need a lot of additions. Um, there's obviously the finishing touches, both metaphorically and literally. We do need two strikers, I'd say, to, to get us over the line. But I'd probably say you've at least got six or seven nailed-on starters there, and good sides are built on solid foundations. I think our defence... You know, I, I put a tweet out the other day. It, it, I think we've got at least six solid options that you'd probably be happy to see with Corey and Darby coming back at centre-half. got two good right-backs if we revert back to that with Danassian and, and Vincent Young. Left-backs, a little bit of a question mark, but we're sorted. I'd say once that's sorted, you know, again, got no issues defensively. Um, midfield, Morsi and Evans, if they can both keep themselves on the... F- the pitch, whether it's through suspension or injury, more than good enough to be at championship level, let alone in um, in League One. Um, it's just them, and obviously Wes Burns. I, I think everyone knows how good he's been this season and how much of a lethal weapon he is for us. And it's a really good season. And uh, Christian Moulton completely forgot about him in there, but you know, championship level keeper. And it's not just on the pitch. I think off the field as well. We've got a manager who I think 
is committed to the project. Um, I think I was maybe a little bit apprehensive and it could still come back to bite me later on. And I think I said Ipswich isn't his dream job. Um, but I think going to back to what you said at the fans forum, it takes a lot for someone to leave Man United. You know, he, he probably would have been probably still there now, even with the new management coming in there. He probably still would have been used in their set up to even for in the short term just to, to help bridge the, the gap in the early days of Ten Hag when he starts. Um, I can remember going to Portland Road and we were barely getting 13,000 fans under Mick McCarthy. And, and to see we're third highest attendance in the league um, says it all, really. And I think the club on and off the pitch is in a very good place. Um, still a lot of work to do. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, as as we know, that that's not stopped with the, the ground now. They're already updating that straight away to to modernise Portman Road a little bit and, and make it better, doing good work in the community. Uh, just it generally getting us back to the level this football club deserves to be, where it has been in the past, run by some really good people who care about the club, not necessarily the biggest club. You know, I don't think we deserve to be in the Premier League because of what we've done, but we're a good hearty club who represents a very large proportion of people not only in East Anglia but across the country and I, I think we've got a solid foundation to, to build on that and um, I'm really optimistic it's going to be a very important summer to get them finishing touches which are going to be the difference between us where we are going to be next season and uh, you know if we're going to be in the promotion fight or uh, again not quite there but um I think we've got a stable foundation and probably more than we have for, you know, a number of years with a club built on journeymen, short contracts and loan players for other clubs. I think now we've really got a good core group of players. We just need to, to finish that off now. So foundations is my word. Well said, my friend. Had a bit of goosebumps throughout that. And yeah, um, yeah always well said. Um, well, Johnny boy. Over to you. One word to describe this season and the hope for next season. Yeah, hard to follow, Mark, there, because to be honest, <laughs> really good summary, you know. I, I did think about some words earlier on, and one, I was thinking, how should I balance this? And one would have been roller coaster. I know I've said it again, people. <laughs> roller coaster? Um, <laughs> hopeful was another one I was contending, but it's a bit too. I would love to have said game changer. That would have been a great one, but but it hasn't quite been on the pitch yet, has it? If I was being negative, I could have said 11th. That would have been a good summary of where we are, but that would have been too negative. Disappointing was one, because that's what the finish is. Nearly, but actually we weren't nearly there. Nearly was not near enough. So I've gone for a more summative, and that was just fascinating. Because I've enjoyed this season. I found it intriguing, fascinating. I found it um, really thought-provoking, enjoyable. You know, we've had different managers. We've had different... You look at the team. Somebody tweeted out the other day, um, the starting lineup against uh, um, from August to the end of... You know, we've had different, a totally different team, really. You know, different keeper... We we mentioned people like Edmondson, Walton, and Morsey weren't in the team at the beginning of the year. We had 
we all thought Pickett was going to start the season as the main man. It didn't really happen for him. Then Bond burst on, and even that excitement ended prematurely. But fascinating, you know, and building on everything, uh, building on the foundations of Mark, you know, there's a lot of promise there. There's a lot of things to be hopeful for. And I just hope that next season, I would love to say, you know, yeah, you know, promotion would be the, you know, would be the word we want to use or pleased. Right? Let's get over the, let's get over the line. You know, let's make it happen. The fact foundations are only important if you're going to build on top of them. So if we've got the foundations there, we need to do the next the next layer. And we don't need 19 new players. We need a left back. We maybe need a bit of cover in midfield. We definitely need a top quality striker, maybe another striker as well. But the spine of the team, like Mark said, is there. The, the coaching setup is better. The, you know, we've got, uh, for the first time in, in a long while, a good long while, We've got a coach who's making the players better. Like that's surely the coach's job. <laughs> it's kind of fundamental of that. And I think McKenna and his team around him, and with Ashton backing him, etc. There's no reason why we can't make next season even more fascinating. So fascination for me this year. Been it's been thoroughly enjoyable. We haven't had it all our own way though, has it? So it's not been all pleasurable, but. Um, Hey, I've got to say the other thing to mention about the, the review of the season is just like, you know, thanks to you, Ross, and to Heathy and Stu and Andy and the Big Poker for the, all of your entertainment and content across the year because as an Ipswich fan, we got our club back when Game Changer talked, you know, that we, we had that connection. But for the four, four and a half years, five years, whatever it is, I've been listening to the pod. Um since the start of Hurst's era, I think, that kind of time. Um, you guys have kept us thoroughly entertained and informed and you know, made us connect with each other, made this whole kind of a fan social thing happen, both in person and after the game and online for the people to participate in. And that, for me, has been fascinating and enjoyable too. So thanks to you and all of the, the, the main crew, really, because, you know, big, 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 big kudos to you all. Oh God, you're gonna make me cry again. This this happens at the end of every season. We we thank everybody for all their in, you know input and contributions. Um, but no, it has been a, a great season off the pitch in terms of you know meeting everyone again. We're back in the grounds. We're back going away grounds. Stayed at your house, John. Travelled around the country, seeing all the great um, listeners and just people who put input. It's been it's been a pleasure to bring you these podcasts. Of course, we've got a lot of content to still bring you throughout the summer because we've got to keep busy. Um, but it's been. One hell of a podcast, boys. Um, it has been 90 minutes of football, and I am hope everybody's enjoyed it during their, whatever they've been doing during this listen. Um, hopefully you'll stick with us until the end. Um, and I will go back to both you, Mark and John, in a second, just to see if you've got any other business. But I want to quickly, of course, give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Um, use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery at manscaped.com. And uh, Mark, any other business, my friend? Um. I'm going to be incredibly biased because he is a dear friend of mine, but I'd like to dedicate this season to Mike Turbot. He's um, done the hard miles this season and he's only missed one game. I think he's going to, like Tony Mowbray, he's going to take some long-needed time out next season. He'll still be at games, don't you worry. You know, his photos, I'm really glad 
he's had some good conversations, not only with Christian Walton and Mike O'Leary this season about his photography, because it's, you know, I think for people who don't go to all the away games, that's a really good way of documenting how the fans have been feeling, uh, as well as, you know, your the content that KOA bring out. Um, and he's just such a wholesome fella. And I, I really, you know, he's makes my match days as well. So it'll be a shame that he won't be there as many games, but I think we completely understand spending a little bit more time with family and we appreciate all the hard work he's put in over the last, you know, two seasons in, in League One that we've been able to go to because it's not always been enjoyable, put it that way. And, and he's been there every step of the way. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can give him a special day out at Wembley and we'll all be waiting for the photos from that day when that day does eventually come. But yeah, just the one for you, Mike, if you are listening, you are an absolute legend. Yeah, I echo your thoughts right there, because yeah, he's been a, he's been a pleasure at away days. Keeping me a company as well. He's normally there. He's the last one there. He's the first one to arrive, and he's normally the last one to leave as well. Normally, the final game day interview, he, he he's doing it, or he's still just there, just having a nice little chinwag with us, and he goes off to his car and travels around the country, which is fantastic. John, over to you, mate. The final word to say on this podcast. Any other business, my friend? Not just to echo Mark's words, I, I got to know Mike across this year more so than in, in previously. And what a top guy! Um, and as Mark said earlier on, happy birthday to one of our KO fans, KOA fan social posse members, Bono. Um, I've had the pleasure of sharing his view from the YouTube two times this season. Many a home game I've stood alongside him, so happy birthday um, to Matt. Um, and yeah, just thanks for having me back on, Ross. Always a pleasure, and we look forward to participating and listening to all the content over the summer and let's bring on next season and let's have something to cheer about hey indeed and i think the big thing is mike mike is going to come on the pod at some point when he is free good old mike Tower, but we're going to get him on because i want to just 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 have a nice little chill and chat with him instead of all the pressure of a game day just chat and just chill and even sorting out the contract he's you've got to pay for mike i think haven't you yeah that's like koa extra like yeah they have to subscribe to get Mike. And I'll, maybe After Dark as well. because yeah, After Dark with Mike, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Well, that's in progress. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but has no, boys. Has, has to be filmed in black and white, surely. Yeah, yes, as well. definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That, that effect is fantastic. We all love that. Um, but no, it's been a pleasure, Mark, John. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks to everybody listening at home, wherever you are. Hope you've enjoyed. Of course, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already to Kings of Anglia on all the platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, if you want to, leave us a review. Let us know what you thought of the podcast throughout this season and going forward as well. Um, goodbye. Bye. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Archon, head to audiobeam.com slash channel slash Archon.